Hello, lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network, and this uh, this is a little bit different. I don't have a show from the week prior to hype up as I head into the next week. Um, Obviously, we took a little bit of a break last week um, for mental health reasons. Um, Obviously, the news about uh, Daphne really um, hit some notes for me personally, and um, I just didn't, couldn't find it in me to sit down and and really take the time to, to do the show personally, I just needed to take a beat um, for myself, and um, it was a, I think it was a welcomed thing because it allowed me to kind of ruminate on Daphne's legacy and what she meant to me personally and what she's meant to so many other people, seeing the love for her that is spilled out on social media um, in the wake of her untimely death. Um, in you know, the last episode that we had before all that went down was with Jamie Senegal, who was someone that was extremely close to Daphne. Um, you know, seeing the, the tributes at Big A Brunch and on on WWE, um, on AEW now, or on Dynamite um, on Wednesday night. You know, it was just um, all around a terrible situation that really uh, bore out um, a lot of love, admiration, and um, heartwarming tributes that I wish didn't ha- didn't happen because I wish Daphne was still here or I wish she was here to see the, the outpour there. But yeah, it was a, it was a tough week. But um, we're back this week with two episodes because we had two monumental events this past weekend oh, up in Chicago. We had AEW All Out. Obviously, um, a that show. I'm glad we're doing two shows because there's no way we could talk about both of, of these shows on here. And of course, Effie's Big Gay Brunch Chicago, which we're talking about on this episode. Um, make sure to check out the other episode to hear all about uh, my thoughts, along with uh, Daily DDT's Patches Chance and Phil Lindsay. Um, awesome panel there to talk all about all outfills in the building in Chicago. Uh, and you know, they both always are, uh, not uh, lacking for, for opinions and, and, uh, conversation about these things. So awesome conversation there, but we're talking about the big gay brunch on this one. And this show was amazing, outstanding. Um, and I loved every second of it for the most part. Um, and I thought I'd do something a little bit different and have um, someone who is close to me, one of my close friends, um, Andrew Clow, who uh, used to uh, co-host a sports talk show with me back in our college days, who is a cishet white man and you know someone who has really started to try and broaden his horizons when it comes to pro wrestling. Um, you know, he was, uh, I remember a little while back, he put out a tweet, you know, asking for um, suggestions on how to, the best place to get into the queer pro wrestling scene. Um, and, you know, thank you to everyone who offered up 
uh, doorways there. Um, but I thought that it would be awesome to have him on the show and, you know, have him watch the Big Gay Brunch and discuss what he took away from it and, and just kind of get a different perspective than we normally get on this show. And I, trust me, I know that, like, straight perspectives are uh, a dime a dozen in all facets of culture, media, society, whatever you want to throw on on there. But, um, you know, as queer wrestling starts to grow presence in the pro wrestling scene, I'm curious to hear from uh, a perspective of someone who I, you know, am close with and that I um, truly love and to see what he thinks about all this stuff and have that conversation. Um, so, yeah, that's what we have on the show here today, on this, on this one at least. Um but before we get into that conversation, I did want to bring up probably the one thing that did kind of bother me a little bit from the Big Gay Brunch, and that is some of the um, kind of conversation about pronouns that was in there. You know, I know that as the as the queer community does, you know, we tend we can like I guess have liberty to kind of like play around with these concepts that are, um, you know, internally very important and vital, you know, in the same way that, like, certain, you know, terms have been reclaimed in a way, but that is kind of a double-edged sword as well, and, you know, for a lot of gender-diverse people that still are fighting a long and arduous fight for, um, the general public to recognize the power and significance of using correct pronouns for them. Um, while I can understand the wrestling context around, you know, saying that Pero's pronouns are sir or, and daddy or frontman jaw coming out and cutting a promo, you know, saying he sexually identifies as a dragon and, you know, using pronouns as a, as a promo tool and, you know, hyping himself up prior to that awesome match with Ace Perry that that, that they had. Um, I get the intention there, and but at the same time, for non-binary and trans individuals, that fight is still very um, present. It's very um, open. And it's, it's a struggle, you know, and... and not to say that I think that frontman Ja or Pero or, or anybody was making light of the pronoun issue by doing these things. For the audience tuning in that is not part of the queer community that um, doesn't understand the struggles associated with certain things, things as, you know small but yet also as big as correct pronoun usage for people um that can be one of those things that makes it feel like it's okay to kind of joke about those things again for you know non-queer people and so much about the big gay brunch just screamed empowerment and and you know just fueling the continued movement. I mean, fuck, Effie, at the end of the show, you know, it's like, suck my dick, the gay, the gay revolution is here. You know, that those are 
those are rallying cries. But at the same time, we have to understand that we don't want to give anybody the cosign to continue the attack helicopter bullshit from the past decade that we've seen, you know? So that was my really the only thing that I took away somewhat negative from the show. Um, but other than that, so good. But um, there'll be more... You'll hear more about that whenever we get into the conversation here with Andrew. Um, so let's go ahead and do that. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. And it is my immense pleasure to have as my guest this week sitting down with me to talk about Effie's Big Gay Brunch and so much more. Um, a very close friend of mine who I haven't seen in a long time, a former co-host of mine, uh, if you were around Kennesaw, Georgia, in the, the two, in like the what the two thousands or whatever, like who sometime back then. We're not going to date ourselves too much, but if you were listening to KSUL Radio, you heard the Athletic Alternative, you heard myself and the narrator on that show. I am bringing him back for an episode of this show to talk all about this stuff because I I'm just very enthused by his um his own enthusiasm really I guess to double use the word there to uh learn more about the queer pro wrestling scene um in recent times and I thought the perfect opportunity for that was to have him on and talk about one of the preeminent queer pro wrestling events of the year in the big gay brunch uh my very cishet friend Andrew Clow, welcome to LGBT in the Ring. It's good to be here. Um, yeah, yeah. I, that whole period of my life is such a margarita-induced phase or haze. Of just I feel like, you. I don't know what. Um, but sometime in the last decade, uh, we'll call it right at a decade. Um, but uh, yeah, it's good to see you, man. It's good to be back. Uh, it's I, you know that broadcasting was such a big part of my life back then and now it's like just seems like so much work like every once in a while someone's like hey you should do a podcast I'm like first of all <laughs> no one no one can tell me and conrad thompson apart anyway so if i tried to do a podcast <laughs> it would it wouldn't go well and then secondly i like i'm a dad now and i just don't like that's such you guys do such a great job and the amount of work that it takes to to put, do something like that like i would just rather listen to yours um and I, I had resisted for a while, and then you posted an episode where your partner proposed to you, and I was like, oh, I got to listen to that. <laughs> um, but, like, I don't know if this makes me more or less manly. This is another one of those things that's going to challenge some of what I understand about gender norms. Uh, I was on the I was in the middle of a set of bitch press listening to your thing, and, like, your partner proposed to you. And I was like, I was like, I had to step out, bro. I was, like, tearing up, and I was like, I can't listen. <laughs> I can't let none of these people that don't know me see me cry over a podcast. Like, you can't do it. Go outside. <laughs> like, uh, that was some moving stuff, man. And uh, uh, congratulations since I'm looking at you. I think I tweeted Thank you, but you. since I'm, I want to say it to your eyes, congratulations. Uh, that everything's going well for you out west. Um, yeah. So, I'm not used to waiting for you to talk. And I know. Back in the day, I just used to have – blurt something whenever I it came to my mind because I was afraid I was going to lose it. Um, <laughs> so just real briefly, uh, this journey kind of started for me. We were talking about this a little bit before uh, 
the recording started, I was at a show called Come Hell or High Water in Norcross, Georgia, January of 2019. It was Super Bowl weekend. Uh, and TJ McAloon, who's a wonderful promoter, pretty good guy, um, as far as I know. And if he's not, don't tell me because I don't want you to have to re-edit this. So uh, we'll, we'll operate under that assumption. Um, put it on, came to Atlanta, uh, put on this great event. And I was there to see Ken Shamrock and Mil Muertes and the Lucha Brothers and Eddie Kingston, um, who is like my favorite guy in wrestling now. So um, good. And, but there was an, there was an eight-man match, and I'm, I'm trying to find a lineup because I don't want to get it wrong. Um, I should have done this before we went on the air, but we'll go ahead and talk about it. That Still was being prepared. We both, you know, we both know how I feel about preparation. Exactly. Um, I was about to say, it wouldn't be a, an athletic alternative reunion if not for a bit of stalling while we right. look something up. <laughs> Having to look stuff up while we were on the air. Yeah, no. Exactly. This is the kind of thing we could have done. Um, but uh, it was an eight-man tag. I got the lineup. It was Effie, Joey, Ryan, which in and of itself is just such a wild thing to say now. Yeah. Kikaru uh, and uh, Chris Wolf against Alley Cat, Moonshine, Mantel, and there's some people I don't know. Um, but in that in that match, it, I you know I was so impressed by six of these eight people or five of these eight people um, that you start googling like during the match, like oh, what else has Chris Wolf been in? Like. What else has Ali been in? What else has Effie been in? And um, throughout like the rest of that show, you, you know, you're you're trying to watch the show, make sure you don't get hit by a Lucha brother flying out of the ring. Um, <laughs> but you also, like just looking at all this other stuff, like, oh man, I bet that was good. I bet that was good. Um, and it, it, I, I told you this, you know, I, I had not heard of Effie before. Um, but they did intermission right after that match. And the first thing I noticed was the amount of kids and young people in like, you know, queer wrestling community, like merchandise just flocked to Effie at his, at his merch table. And that's when it first occurred to me that there is a disturbing lack of representation uh, for queer wrestling fans uh, on mainstream wrestling. And I, I told you about the, um, it was like the AJ Styles kind of t-shirts, but it said the gay community in the circle yep. instead, of, instead of AJ Styles. So I had to look those up and I was like, Alan, come on, dude. Like, <laughs> you know, yes, you are a flat earther from Gainesville, but you still like, you got to do a little better. Like, come on, bro. God damn um, it. That Gainesville connection yeah. always. And it like killing chickens and AJ Styles. Like that's, you know, <laughs> Like, come on, man. And now uh, Justin Fields, I guess. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I, I saw that, and it, it, it kind of moved me in a way. And I actually went to, went over to go talk to Chris Wolf for a few minutes and just tell her, like, I thought she was hilarious, and I thought everything she did was so good as a comedic worker, and it's so sad that she had retired right after that because um, of concussions and stuff. But, you know, I – I think I read that NXT was getting ready to offer something or sign her to something. And she's like, I can't do it. I got, you know, I'm all busted up. Yeah. Um, which was really sad to me because I think she was really talented and would have brought something to them that they haven't had in a long time. Um, and then, you know, Ali Cat is really entertaining. But there was just something about Effie where I was like, this dude, you know, is 
is um is pretty special. Like just because you know he's not he's clearly queer. And he works it into his gimmick without it being the reason for you to care about him, mm-hmm. which I think takes a talented, really talented performer. And that's kind of when this all started for me. Um, and then with the pandemic, you know, kind of the rest of that year, I was so wrapped up in like AEW getting launched and stuff. I kind of forgot about, you know, what I experienced. And then during the pandemic, you start, you run through everything on Netflix or everything on, you know, Peacock or whatever. Um, and you start looking for other ways to, to be entertained because you're tired of everything. Um, and that's kind of when, when I looked at the first time I heard about like Jake Atlas, mm-hmm. uh, who's the guy who's really stood out to me where I'm like, man, that guy's really good. Um, WWE should get him. And then they did. And then they did. Yeah. Um, they fumbled the bag. <laughs> Which is like, that's and we you know we don't like there's there is like three days worth of rabbit hole rabbit holes that we could fall down as far as what's going on with that company in the last year. Um, yeah, but I think uh, how long is I think it's so important the 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 example that I used off before we started rolling on this was Adam West. When I was six years old, I saw Adam West as Batman for the first time, and I knew that that was a guy that I identified with and wanted to be like. Uh, the first wrestler that I ever saw that I thought was cool and that I wanted to be like was Razor Ramon. Like, Scott Hall was my first favorite wrestler. Um, turns out, funny story, you've heard this before, we went to high school with my mom. They were actually really close for a couple of years. Um, yeah. I've talked to Scott a few times through that. I'm so glad that he seems to be in a good place. Um, but it occurred to me that like, not everyone has that. Not everyone has a, a wrestler that they can see when they're nine years old and they see themselves reflected through. And in 2021, there's no reason for that. And so, um, I, so I have not gotten to watch all of big gay brunch yet. Sounds like we both had a lot of things this weekend. Like I saw (laughs) you you were sans internet for most of the weekend. Um, yeah, I like I was uh, I had a vacation lined up exactly with this weekend. I'm I'm doing this this broadcast from Montana right now, so I was in oh, Yellow I was in Yellowstone while uh, while all the festivities were happening. So I didn't get a chance to check out the shows until last night, um, which you know I'm still uh, so so very good everything that I've seen so far I haven't finished all out yet I'm, I, I gotta I gotta finish that so we can talk about it um, later on in the show but yeah like I yeah it's been a week <laughs> yeah yeah and without boring your listeners too much my kid got sick we got him through a lot of and then my wife came down with the same thing and it's one of those things that not every adult gets but when you get it you get it way worse than like kids get it Oh. And so this is the, I I have like I have big a brunch like playing right now as I'm talking to you because again what would the athletic alternative be if not for cramming things into the broadcast that we should have done ahead of time exactly uh, so this feels very on I'm, I'm in a sick way I'm very proud of this right now uh, you know for not for not straying from not straying from the formula that worked for over a year on, on uh, KSU Hour Radio. Uh, <laughs> I well, feel like all that's missing now is hot. 
is Hollis screaming at the top of his lungs about something that I don't understand in the next room. Um, very true. So if he's listening, shout out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there is one other thing missing that we should do before we get into any discussion about stuff. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. And they stay there. And they say, yeah. And they say, yeah. Oh, man. And like so many other things about our show, it's just came about as a result of us being really bored um yeah they I, did. the story i remember is that we just needed a pick me up it was a marathon like baseball preview or something and uh we just blasted it super loud we uh for those who don't know which would be most of you uh <laughs> we didn't used to go on the air till yeah um and we'd be there till a.m sometimes uh just talking sports and it like it was um it, in some ways, it was so much fun, and no other. You know, I went on to have my own show, be like one of the. I was a sports lead there for a while, uh, but I don't think I ever had as much fun as just saying literally anything that came into my head at, at one in the morning um, with you. But yeah, that I, I was really excited to get to do this with you, and then the last four days have been just such a uh, such an epic collapse of time and space that like we're gonna have to find an infinity stone and redo this uh in like a day or two so that you know nobody this is pretty unprofessional i'm not gonna <laughs> 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 but, but so on brand that i don't really want to change anything no, um, no. but yeah that was awesome that was awesome i needed uh, to hear that that it was, can't it can't be an athletic alternative without the, the song that we use to kick off every show like for every the longest time yeah forever forever yeah, exactly wow so good uh well with uh with our pick me up now <laughs> in our in our veins focus all right here we Let's go here it. we go yeah. okay so first off before we get into any like discussion around like more of the cultural stuff here just talk to me about from what you have seen of the big gay brunch what you've come away with so far because i know you've only seen a few matches thus far i know you're watching it right now but talk to me a little bit about your takeaways thus far. Bill Dixon is mad entertaining. Um, Yo, I have, I have, I, first of all, my, my first introduction to him was just a week or so ago when he started playing his straight character on Twitter, like straight William Dixon. Yes. Um, I was like, well, this guy's gotta be funny. Like if Faye Jackson is retweeting and interacting with you, like it's, this has gotta be good. Uh, and so I checked out some of his stuff and I'm like, all right, this dude is straight hilarious. And then he, like, he's really entertaining in the ring too. Um, and I like Peril a lot. Um, Peril is somebody I'd seen a little bit on NWA, uh, on their YouTube shows and some of their stuff. Um, he's another guy where he's able to work being gay into his character without it being the thing that you, that, that fuels your emotion about him one way or the other. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Like, cause you don't want, you don't want people to hate you because you're gay. You want people to hate you and you happen to be gay. Exactly. Like, like they, people are afraid of Pero and they hate Pero because he will fucking murder you. Yeah. He will, he will, <laughs> he will show you your outsides. Like, yes. so you're showing your outsides on the outside. 
But yeah, Perro has been another guy. Um, and like I said, Effie I had seen before, but I, I remain so impressed by the variety of people that he's able to work with. Um, the thing I saw him in live was very much not a straight up wrestling match. Uh, there was comedy all over it. Um, and, uh, for an example, my favorite spot of the entire segment was post-match when Ali Cat tried to start a fight with uh, Cody, Cody Rhodes' dog, Pharaoh, uh, <laughs> because he was a cat and he was a dog. Yep. Um, I thought that was such a tremendous little beat of like storytelling instinct. Like you got to have really good instincts to just think of that off the top of your head. And I thought she was really great. Uh, but I think that was the first thing I'd seen at the end. Um, and so I, I was like, well, is he just a comedy? He is very much not just a comedy guy. Yes. Um, but, and I, that, it's kind of like the first time you see like what, uh, Drake Maverick was doing before he got on WWE or or even Impact to some degree. Like, oh, this dude can actually wrestle. Um, it's and I'm not you know holding Drake Maverick up as some great example. It's just a kind of a metaphor. Like you see guys do one thing and it's the only thing you ever see them do and you forget. Oh, these guys can actually really wrestle. Like he's really good. Um, and I think part of it is because you know I don't want to take credit away from Effie, Effie but Jake Atlas. I need to see more of him, but he might be one of those guys that can make a lot of people look good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but he and Effie have tremendous chemistry uh, in the ring together, and I don't think Jake Jake Atlas is going to be unsigned for very long. Um, given some connections that he has and some friendships that he's made, um, I don't I don't think it'll be very long at all until we see Jake Atlas on our screens um, at home, and I think he. And not to steer away from Effie, but just since they were working together, Jake Atlas is a guy who I could see kind of being one of those people that breaks the barrier where, like, yes, he is gay or he's queer, but he's also really, really good and you should watch him, not because he's queer, but because he's really, really good. And we're going to have him on Rampage this Friday night. Like, so don't miss it. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. I think Jake Atlas has that kind of ability and he's young and he's a good looking guy. Uh, and Effie, you know, I'm trying to work this back to Effie because it's Effie's big gay brunch, right? And and he was really good too. And he like those two together, that match would not have been out of place like on a mainstream show. No, in not terms not. of the and that like is the I feel like for the purposes of this conversation, it's like the highest possible compliment I could pay them. Um, is that on a show which is celebrating how not mainstream it is. Like the professional wrestling on that show would not have been out of place at any arena in the country. Like the straight up professional wrestling. And I like MV Young uh, looked legit angry about the things that ha- like he came in like with bloodlust that I'm assuming had to do with the cancellation of his own event a couple of weeks ago. Um, or yep. it, it, if it's not if it's not shoot uh, anger. He worked it very, very well. Like he, he, and I don't want him to. I don't want to know if he was really angry or not because, like, he played that that like he was irritated about some Karen calling the cops on his show a couple weeks ago and like started like started beating people up because of it. Yeah. And like to me, like I was so I have not seen anything on a show yet that makes me think it was a waste of money or makes me think it's like not worth my time. Um, I think that people are very hesitant, like, 
it's sort of this double-edged sword, right? Where as a, as a straight, cis, white person, I don't want to feel like I'm just watching it because I feel like I have to. Because, like, it's the right thing to do. Or because, like, I don't want people to think I'm a piece of garbage, right? Like, I don't want people to think I'm a homophobe, so I patronize these shows and I don't get any enjoyment out of it, but, like, I assuage my guilt, right? I don't feel like that at all about this show. Like, this was dope. Like, everything I've seen so far on the show is, like, I don't care what these people do in their free time, like, who these people do in their free time. Like, this is, like, this was quality, uh, like, 70% pro wrestling, 30% sports entertainment, which is a really good mix for me, personally. That's about where I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, everything I've seen on the show so far just has hit, has been really, really good. Um, and there's some really, really talented people on this show, more importantly, that deserve a platform and deserve to have their art be seen to a bigger audience than, than see it. Um, and I want to do my part to see that they get that platform because they've earned it, not just, and not just because of their lifestyle or their orientation, but because they're really good, like really good. Um, and I'll, you know, and it's like I said, I'm just now in my late 30s really starting to understand how important representation is. And it's sad that this is not on either of the mainstream wrestling shows in North America. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, some, I have more patience for some people than others. Like we talked about off the air, like I'm not sure Tony Khan's in a position where he can just go, you know, I'm putting all these gay people on my show and there's nothing you can do about it. Because at this point, TNT could be like, yes, there is something we can do about it. We can cancel your show. Like, how do you like that? Now you yeah. all get to be off TNT. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying that excuses it. I'm just saying sometimes you have to earn the right to, you know, to facilitate change. And it's sad that it's like that. I don't think it should be that way. But that's like the reality of, of what we live in at the moment. And um, if that upsets people, like, please know that I'm not advocating for that to be the case. I'm simply stating that I think sometimes that is the case. And so when we when I see people say, well, we shouldn't support either of these promoters, like they're not in the same position. And I, I hope and think that when one guy is in that position, that that will change. To some degree mm-hmm. um you know, does that make sense because i yeah. don't want to make excuses for the guy but i also don't want to shove him in the traffic when i don't think he has complete control over that and so um but i feel like i got a little off track here the point is like this big gay brunch like i first of all when i saw the thing i laughed like the those those graphics are always so good like the like the the match graphics where they got all the stars in there stuff those big gay brunch ones are always like top notch um and i think that's such an important front porch into the event where if like if it's not eye popping if it's not catching like a lot of people are gonna pass it by because there's so much on fight and on bleacher report right now for people to spend their money on that there's got to be a hook right and so i think it's like that's why i think it's so cool to like joey janela 
like works with these folks. I don't agree with everything Joey Janela says or does. He's not one of my favorite people to watch on television, but I do think it's cool that he has stuck his name, a name with some, you know, value and some pull in the pro wrestling world to like to give this event legitimacy. The world where there are so many different things that you can spend money on. Um, and I try to, I watched Empower. I made sure to spend money on that because I think that's really important too. Like that women have a, that have an equal platform as men. Um, something I really want to teach my son early on is like, you know, when, you know, women do the, can do the same things we do. They deserve the same things that we do. Uh, so I tried to put my money where my mouth was there. But in terms of match quality and in terms of uh, excitement, I really feel like Big Gate Brunch has blown everything out of the water that I've ordered mm. since we started this quest. Uh, in terms of the show length and price and bank for the buck, like I don't know how you can turn a profit charging fourteen dollars for this thing because <laughs> uh, it was like, like you know what I'm saying. Like it was so good. I, you know, I paid forty for AEW and I felt like I got my money's worth. Uh, this was like a third of that, and it, like I. It, like there, there were a lot of times where I was just as into uh, peril, and I can't remember the guy he he wrestled. Oh, Jordan uh, Blade. Yeah, I I was just into as into that as I was into Young Bucks and Lucha Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really good, and like because Peril is phenomenal, uh, and that other guy's not bad either. Yeah, Jordan is someone that I absolutely adore. Like, you know, she's been uh, outstanding so far, like since coming back from injury in 2019. She's just been on a rise like throughout the pandemic and everything, like whether she's like on her own or teaming with Elo Neal as the Kings of the District on all these different shows. Like she, I, I will pr- I probably marked out the most when watching this show at Jordan Blade's entrance. Like, I think I was like, I was like literally like beating my chest while sitting in my bed, like just like fucking all in on, on this like bisexual Taz entrance that we got going on here. And I was just, ah, I don't, Jordan, I will always speak wonders about Jordan's outstanding. Yeah. That that whole thing was really great. I'm a big entrances guy. Like Mm. I think the way, the easiest way to tell whether or not a company has plans for someone is their entrance because um, you look at Carrie on Cross's entrance and you know like <laughs> nowhere that guy's so screwed and it couldn't happen to a better person anyway um, uh, but like Lucha Brothers entrance I don't know if you've gotten that far in the pay-per-view yet like, I have not I I won't I won't spoil a bunch of it for you but it, it made me so happy on one hand and on the other hand like my lifelong goal has been to be the giant dude in the back of the rap video and like the whole entourage is like just nodding. In the, I just want to be the guy standing perfectly still and just nodding into the camera with like sunglasses. You can tell he's like higher than the giraffe penis. And <laughs> it's like, I've always wanted to be that guy and I've never gotten to be that guy. So like watching that, I would be like, that would have been perfect right there. It would have been so good. Because Mikey Ruckus and the, and the, Latin rapper that do the theme song, like perform the theme song live and like they had dance. Like it was, you'll get to it and you'll, it's awesome. It's so good. Um, and like that is one thing that NXT has done really well throughout the years is like tell you who the big deal is by like the entrances. And um, so when you see an entrance like Jordan Blaze, you're like, like, okay, like, all right, like this is, this is dope. This is going to be so good. 
Yes. Um, and I know at that level that some of it kind of has to do with what the performers themselves can facilitate. Um, like it's unfair, you know, someone's like, well, you know, my theme song is, is country gentleman by family force five. So I'm going to need you to go ahead and book family force five so I can, well, no, that's not, <laughs> that's not their responsibility. Yeah. Um, but when you see something like Jordan blades, like you just get the message like, Oh, yo, she's spe- like, she's special. That's going to be a big deal. Like that's really good. Yeah. Um, so I, I thought that was really neat. And like I said, I can't, you know, I know at this point I'm just beating a dead horse with this guy, but <laughs> Paramount, it, it, number one, it stands out. His style stands out from a lot of the people who he's on shows with anyway, because mm-hmm. it's, it's very not indie style. It's very kind of like he wrestles very much like what you would think he would wrestle at, like, yeah. when you look at. And, and that's very gratifying to some degree, like, okay, this dude's not going to Brian Cage me and do moonsaults on people. When, you know, <laughs> and I, I like Brian Cage. It's not a knock on Brian Cage. It's just you you see a guy and you're like, oh, this guy's going to kick the crap out of people. And then he does everything but kick the crap out of people. And it's like, okay, this guy is legit. And then he comes in and, you know, powerbombing folks and just throwing them around. And you're like, okay, this yeah. is, yes, more of this, please. Like, <laughs> at your earliest convenience, I will take way, way more of this. And so, yeah, like you see stuff like that, and it's like, okay. It, yeah, you forget that not everyone gets this from someone like them. And again, like I, I know I keep coming back to that, but that's been on my mind a lot for the last few months. Is just like, you know, I've been very lucky in that every professional wrestler ever is someone that I can identify with at some level, right? Because it's written for people like me. Yeah. And it's, it, every decision that they make is made with people like me in mind. Um, and you forget that not everyone gets that, but everyone does have that desire to see someone they can identify with on television. Um, and so, uh, like I said, I haven't gotten to watch it all yet. That's about, I'm looking forward to Zay and Scott uh, coming up here. I'm, I'm kind of zooming through, like figuring mm-hmm. out, I didn't watch I didn't watch it in order. Um, yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> If I don't watch it live, I hardly ever watch it in order. Um, but uh, looking forward to the rest of this. But like from what I like, I want to encourage people who are like me who don't have a lot of ex- exposure to queer wrestling that that maybe have been thinking about checking a show out, but they're hesitant. Like, you know what? You know, do it. Like, check it out because more often than not, you're going to be super entertained and you're going to be, you know, the match is going to be gratifying and um, you're going to see something that you identify with is something that you really like, even if you don't see yourself on the screen immediately. Chances are, the longer you watch, the more you will see something that reminds you of yourself or that you can't identify with. Um, and uh feels like I had a lot more to say <laughs> about that. Maybe we just need to redirect a little bit. Yeah, we can uh, do something like that. Because I did want to highlight one thing said that you mentioned there. Like you know, the like the more you watch, you'll definitely see more people that can you know represent different communities. And that's one of the things I've really liked about not just the Big Gay Brunch, but like a lot of the queer shows that have popped up over the past year and a half, two years at this point, because it's not just about like gay people. It's about like gay people, lesbians, bisexual pansexual trans gender fluid 
non-binary, all these different communities that all fit underneath that banner. And they're all getting their, their spots on this show. Like, you know, we had Veda Scott representing your non-binary gender fluid community. You have Edith Surreal and Dark Sheik out there for the trans community. You had Ali Cat Ali Catch. That's another person I want to say. Uh, the Sheik. Like, I what's the pronoun for them? She. She, her. Okay. She is great. Like, I, I am thoroughly entertained by her. Um I, I, I've seen her in a couple other things that I saw her in that. And I'm like, man, she, she gets it, man. She's good. She's really good. Uh, oh, yeah. And yeah. she, um, I like, I watched her with a big smile on my face. Like, she just, like, people who you can tell clearly are enjoying what they're doing, like, to that level where they can't contain it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that really speaks to me. Um, when you, when someone is just grinning, the entire time you're like oh okay they're like they're having the time of their lives here uh that that really speaks to me i've seen her in a couple other things um usually because someone will post a video on twitter and i'll go chase down like the whole thing I'm like oh that's dope yeah that's really good uh no. so yeah she's one like i thought i wrote her name down but i guess i didn't um i did try to make notes for this and then <laughs> Hand, foot, and mouth, 2K21. So it's like <laughs> everything goes out the window, and you're, uh, yeah. So it, yeah. It's been interesting. So like this, this was a really welcome distraction. Um, all the shows that I've watched in the last couple of weeks have been a really welcome distraction from all of that. Um, and that's, I think, what wrestling is supposed to be. Exactly. Uh, and it's, it was cool that, in a sense, like, the big gay brunch show served exactly the same purpose as like all out or empower. Like I got the same, uh, the same output from that show that I did from these other more mainstream shows. Um, and that I think is as important a factor in bringing queer wrestling in the mainstream as anything else. Right. Cause if you're watching because it's it's queer people doing it that's great and i think you should do that but that's still not as good as watching it because it's really good and because like there's going to be stuff that you identify with right yeah um like you should give it like if you're on the fence you should give it a chance because it's like queer people but then i guarantee you'll watch it again because it's really really good and because it's like it's everything it's very subversive in a good way like <laughs> it takes the wrestling tropes and kind of plays with them which i really like and like not in the way that you would expect it's really fun um because I, I like a good subversion is like one of my favorite things in the world like when you like when you swerve the swerve bro but like not in the way that you like that's it's supposed to be swerved but in a different good way like that's yeah you know what i mean like i feel like i'm talking in a circle a little <laughs> bit but i'm trying to to convey the i had a lot of big emotions watching this and so like it's hard to now kind of funnel that into just like a few words like this was it was you know i, I tweeted a few weeks ago we just kind of started this conversation about like y'all read me some you know some great like queer wrestling and the response was really good um and like it's sort of like a rabbit hole where 
you know, the deeper you go, the more you're going to find and the more you start to yourself, well, why haven't I never heard this, heard of this before? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, our movie Airheads, like, this is a really dated reference, but he's like, we never play these guys. You suck. Like, well, if they're so great, why aren't they racing up the charts, babe? Like, because you never play them, babe. Like, it's kind of like that. Like, why have I never seen this before? Oh, because, like, they never play it. You know, nobody, nobody with a platform ever plays it. Mm-hmm. And so it's this circle where, like, we don't see stuff because it's not being played, and it's not being played because no one watches it. And no, you know what I'm saying? And so, like, to get through that level of kind of, to get through that gate, you know, we, there's been a lot of talk about the forbidden door lately. But, like, I think one of the most forbidden doors that we have left in wrestling is, you know, access to this this alternative form of sports entertainment. I hate even using that term, but I feel like it applies here. Um, to where, you know, not everyone looks the same or acts the same or talks the same, but we all love the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, why are, you know, why is anyone trying to dictate what is and isn't an acceptable form of professional wrestling? Um, you know, whether it's, you know, the two straightest, whitest dudes in the world just chopping each other, because that's what straight white dudes do now, apparently, is just chop the fool out of each other for hours on it. And, um, <laughs> I understand that's, we can talk about that another day, but I, like, why am I going to stand there and just let you chop me? Like, that's, I never, like, I've never understood that a day in my life. It's like, you see uh, Miro's chest at the end of that TNT title match, like, you just, you just stand there and let them do that to you. Like, why would you, like, you're supposed to be smarter than that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but regardless of what format it's in and what, uh, and who's who's doing it, it's really good. And people should definitely check it out. I'm looking forward to rewatching the, the hell out of it. Um, and, uh, yeah, what else specifically can we get into? Well, I will say this one match that we haven't brought up yet. I, I, I don't think you've seen yet that I'm very excited to get your thoughts on whenever you do watch it is uh, Ashton Starr and Devon Monroe. And so I've, the, I've seen Ashton Starr before. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not, I haven't watched uh, their match on this show yet, but I have seen Ashton Starr before and I, I am very impressed. Mm. Uh, I like Ashton Starr a lot. I think, um, Again, the pronoun thing. I think they're very, very entertaining. Um, uh, I think they—they are someone again who could be on like mainstream TV like next week, and mm-hmm. there would be no, there would be no drop off in in quality um, between who would normally be in that spot and that person. Um, I think I saw Ashton star at, at a random Georgia indie a year or so ago. I know that um, he, he works a lot of the Atlanta area, like Southern Honor yeah. and Action and I want to say maybe... I, I, it, was, it was Action Wrestling, because that's in my hometown, bro. That's in yeah, yeah. Georgia. That's, <laughs> like, it's so crazy to me now that like one of the, the premier indies in the Southeast is like operates out of the high school gym that I like <laughs> that I would be hung over jogging in, in like mm-hmm. 11th grade. Like, like And now like <laughs> people like from all over the Southeast seek this out. And it was like, that's just stuff like that is always funny to me. Like when Calvin Johnson got put in the NFL hall of fame and there was like a video package that featured my high school it was like, that's so stupid. Like, <laughs> it's, like it's so dumb. Uh, 
I mean, let's not even talk so, about yeah. the fact that you played on the same like college football team as fucking Reigns. Oh yeah, no, he was in my science class. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was in my science class. That was mm-hmm. um, that was pretty funny. That was uh, he was just Joe back then though. Exactly. He wasn't, he, he wasn't the tribal chief yet. We didn't have to acknowledge him. We could just go to class. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, like that—that that is always a little surreal. Like, man, I, that guy used to spam everybody with grenades at Call of Duty like 15 years ago, and now <laughs> he's one of the, you know, uh, the premier stars in the sport. Regardless of how you feel about whether or not he should be, uh, yeah, that's always a little surreal to me. And like, my sister knew him better than I do because um, she's a couple years younger than me. Uh, but no, it, that's funny to me every time. Like someone brings it up, like, yeah, I shared a Bunsen burner with that dude. Uh, and now he's, you know, he's the only guy that could get Vince McMahon to like bow to his demands. Like, I'm not coming back unless I do this, this, and this. And Vince was like, okay, pal. Like, sounds good. <laughs> Lord. No, I, I, I thoroughly love Ashton and, and I think the match with Devon, who's another outstanding talent, um, the that match is off off the charts. Honestly, every match on the, on the show was just like so good in like its own distinct way. You brought up Billy Dixon earlier. Billy is one of my favorite people in this community, um, on the independent scene in general right now. And I just love the fact that in the midst of a like hardcore tag team match he had the wherewithal to build up a story into this with the straight bill thing that was going on all on his own accord that while being funny and pejorative in, in a way that, you know, a lot of people were in on the joke and you could easily telegraph what was going to happen during the match in terms of him getting hit on the head again and coming back and being our gay love, Billy Dixon. Um, it still was able to craft a story that that felt super meaningful um, out of something that was goofy, but still had a like kernel of uh, like cultural significance to it. Because a lot of that did yeah. bore out of him being like, you know, allies to get a lot of attention when it comes to talking about this stuff. And, and sometimes at the, the um, detriment of queer people. And so like it definitely played into that in, in that way while also being just so blissfully funny uh, in, in the execution of it. I mean, BJ Gray, for God's sakes. <laughs> that You just hit on something like, I do think there is an element of people who, and I, because I'm one of these people, like even doing this, I was like, I don't want to come off as one of those people who just talk, like who goes on your show or goes on a show like this to prove to people how much of an ally I am. Like, to me, allyhood is not something. Allyhood is the minimum. Like, ally, like it costs nothing to just be a decent human being. Like, that's not why I'm here. I'm here because I've found this new. Because I've stopped watching WWE. Like, and I watched it for from the time I was 11, and I saw Bret Hart on One Two and One Two Three Kid on Raw, just flipping channels, and I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And so to see the callbacks to that in Punk and Darby, we can get to that another time was really cool but that's not why i'm here i'm not like i don't have anything to sell 
like I got some old action figures I'm trying to move. So if y'all are interested in some Mattels, like hit me up on Twitter. I'll DM you the, the spreadsheet. But that's as far as it goes. Like I'm not I'm not starting a podcast. I'm not writing anything. Like I'm not here for any of that. And I like so that get, I think that does give some people pause where it's like I don't want to like come off as like look at me look what an ally I am. Like that's not. I and I I really thought. He, that was played exceptionally well. And I'm a sucker for like tropes. Like one of my favorite things in the whole pinnacle inner, inner circle thing was when MJF opened the bathroom door and those guys were standing in the bathroom. And so he shut the door and like slow played it and slow burned it. And he's like, that, that will never not be funny to me. The slow burn, like, Oh man, I'm screwed. Like where yeah. you can like see them poop their pants in real time. Like, you can tell the exact name of the couple. Yeah, that was where he did it. That will never not be funny to me when it's done right. Or, like, you know, when guy behind you're in a battle royal and a small guy is, like, talking crap and then he bumps into the big guy and he can't see who it is. So he, like, feels their face and then he turns around slowly and it's, like, Billy Gunn standing or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. That will never not be funny to me when it's when it's done right. And so to see, like, straight Bill, like, and you see a Bill, like, you're exactly, like, you see it and you're like, oh, I know what's going to happen. Uh, but when you and when it's stupid and when it's lame, like you don't get that, like that that satisfaction from it. But when it's good and when it's done right, it's like, like I, you know, within the first ten minutes of the movie Shutter Island, what the twist is going to be. But it's done so well that you don't care that you know ten, ten minutes into the movie, like it's still really good because the way they set it up and the kind of the story they tell, and like so when they do flip the switch, even though you knew. Like, oh, that man, I was still really enjoyable. It's still really good. And that's an example I see, like, a lot of people use, so I used it. There's probably better movies that to use an example. <laughs> but I'm really tired because my kid did not sleep last night. So yes. I'm going to go with the tried and true one. If y'all don't like it, you can tweet Brian about it. Because <laughs> I, um, I, I don't, you know, particularly care. But uh, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. No, the the, the BJ Gray and, the, and AJ Gray is another guy I've seen at, at, at action, uh, who I think is is, is I mean, hilarious. Yeah, the straight bill thing. Like, I'm like, oh, that's such a good idea. Like, <laughs> that was so like just just following the whole thing on Twitter. Like, oh, that's really that's really smart. Like, that's really entertaining. Yes. Pay off like that is like because I had no idea he was just setting something up for big gay brunch, and he may it may not have started out that way, I don't know. But like to see it pay off, like, oh, that's like that's really good, like, that's, yeah, that's just so satisfying. When it's like, okay, he's gonna hit his head, I, like, because when you know, when it's Festus and you're just using the whistle, like, mm. that's stupid, like, and not just because it's Luke Gallows, but. Uh, brother, um, yeah, but what it's really, I'm trying to think of another example, and I think it's really sad that I can't think of another example right offhand of a good twist like that. Um, it seems like it's always really obvious and stupid, uh, but it can be obvious if it's not stupid and still be really good. 
Alright, Yens, thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the Ring. Uh, we'll get right back into the thick of things, but I do want to take a pause real quick and say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is. Starting off with Daniel Quasar, the Progress Pride Flag designed by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at quasar.digital. A big thank you to Sarah in the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT check out that service. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at LGBT RingPod. You can follow me on Twitter at WonderboyOTM. And if you're into video games, definitely check out my video game news show, the Mr. Video Game Super Show. I co-host that with uh, Twitch streamers Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over on twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Uh, it's your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So once again, check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. But yeah, you're right. Uh, and I again, I gotta watch all this stuff again. I am like, there's nothing. I thought I was sleep deprived when I was in like my mid twenties in college, and, <laughs> and I would give anything for one day of that level of sleep deprivation. Um, <laughs> like being a dad has changed my wrestling fandom so much in terms of I have to like really be selective of what I spend my time on. I don't have part of the reason I stopped watching WWE is because I still have three hours to, to waste on raw every week. I'm like, yo, this is like, this is stuff I could be getting ready for tomorrow and the rest of the week. Like, why well, am I going to watch five Drew McIntyre segments? Like, like <laughs> I like Drew McIntyre, but it's like, why, why do, do we need like five segments of a 15 segment show to tell one story? Um, and so I really appreciate when you can tell a story within a match and not need like hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of segments to set that story up. And it's a different world now with like social media. Like you can do a lot of that on like Twitter or YouTube or whatever. But that whole thing to me was a tremendous payoff. Mm -hmm. uh, if I hadn't still, it, I probably would have brought that up sooner, but I was still gushing about Paro. Um, <laughs> So that I mean that I I've talked about him a lot, but to me, like he's a guy who him and Jake Atlas are guys who like you could I think there's an just an element, a real base level of insecurity, which is why more like straight dudes especially don't watch like queer wrestling. Mm -hmm. Because I think at some level some guys are still really afraid like deep down, like what does this say about me if I enjoy this? You know what I'm saying? And so it's like and, and I, I'm not, and again, I'm not saying it's right to feel that way. I just, oh, yeah. it's a distinct, it's it's a it's a sentiment that I've seen expressed in various ways on Twitter, 
or other forms of social media, like, well, I'm not gay, so why would I watch this? Like, do watch it because it's really good. Like, and, exactly. And you, see, you see guys like Pero and Jake Atlas, who you would never know were queer, like, just on the street. And it's like, like what more do you need? Like, that, I think that's why I, those guys appeal to me so much is it's very much a, I think I have trouble changing my expectations based on people's like appearances. Like I still have trouble when at times when a guy like Adam Cole is like mixing it up with Walter mm-hmm. because of the size difference. And because of like, I'm like, man, Walter don't sell for that dude. Like, don't, don't do that. Like your family's watching. Like don't sell for that little guy. Like what's wrong with you? Um, and so I think sometimes like, and I don't know, I'm going to try to say what I'm actually trying to say instead of what I'm afraid is going to come out. Um, I think at times it really helps to have mainstream looking people on on mainstream shows, even if everything they do is exactly in line with what you're trying to present, because that's a gateway. And it's a way for people to say, I've seen him on TV. He's like, I've seen him mix it up with people that I know. So this has to be somewhat legit, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and, and again, I'm not saying it's okay to feel that way, but I am saying that, like, I do think there are people that feel that way. And at first, I think I was one of those people where it's like, well, if Eddie Kingston is on this show, this has to be good. Like, yeah, can't be stupid. Like, if Pero and Jake Atlas are mixing it up with these people, they've got to be somewhat legit, right? Because these guys have been on TV, not at the highest level, some of them, but, you know, there is a credibility perception issue i think at times with shows like this and so when you have people like that on it like i i would not look at ashton star and think that guy is one of the most entertaining professional wrestlers on the circuit right now now after i watch him for 30 seconds i'm like oh okay yes <laughs> so, like, so i think guys like Paro and jake atlas bar like borrow or, or attract eyes to people like ashton star and Billy Dixon. And so I, like, and so to me, I think that's why I've been so gung-ho about them is because I don't like, I think that's the best way I can say it is because like, I don't always, I'm sometimes I'm very hesitant to watch shows where it's like, I don't identify with any of these people. That's a hard barrier for me to get past so when i see a jake atlas on a show like this i'm way more likely to check it out when i mm-hmm. see a peril on a show like this or an effie some of that is just consumerism some of that is just like there's so many shows on fight network right now where i'm like i'm not ordering next i've never heard any of those people yeah they might be really good like they might be really really good they might be better than the people that i'm seeking out but it, like i don't know who they are and so i'm not like but when i when i see oh peril i know that dude that dude's on the nwa show he's awesome let me go check this out. Or Jake Atlas, he was on NXT. He was really, really good. What happened to him? Like, like where did he go? Uh, like, I think this was just a really perfect. Anyone who is trying to promote, and not just a queer show, but any kind of independent show, could really learn a lot from how the show was laid out and set up, and the how it was booked, the people who were put on it. Uh, and I just think he's really great. And I like, I've talked way more than I meant to. Some of it, <laughs> you should probably edit out because I'm talking to surf a little bit. 
I don't know how much editing you do. Um, but, I do some. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm I, I'm I'm giving you Kate Blanchett right now for everybody. I'm giving you carte blanche. Like, uh, whatever you need to cut, cut. But the what the the two basic things that I wanted to say about the show when I was talking about the show. The number one, like, if you're listening to this and you're on the fence about like checking out, like alternative like queer independent wrestling shows do it absolutely do it because you will find everything that you love about the wrestling that you love on these shows it may take you a second but you will find it because it's there and number two um i'm going to do everything that i possibly can and i you know i'm not a huge you know twitter voice or social media voice i'm just really just one guy at this point especially since i've had a kid like i don't have time to I would have chose violence a lot more over topics like this on Twitter before I had a kid. Um, because now it's really hard to get mad about stuff when you're holding the tiny you. Mm-hmm. you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, I could be mad about this, but my kid's about to do something really funny. So I'm just going to get off. And, and <laughs> um, Although the lack of sleep is, you know, does, like, I think the best thing they could do with, Cody and Adam Page and John Moxley right now just have them form like a FTK trio where they just beat people up because they're all new parents and they don't get any sleep ever. And so they just <laughs> drop people on their heads. And if you can't figure out what FTK is right away, think about that Jordan meme and uh, it'll come to you pretty quick. Uh, like that, I would I would watch the hell out of that. Uh, anyway, um, but I do, I, I did want to come on here with once we talked about is like this is an opportunity for someone who is not of the community to any real degree to come on here and say like queer wrestling is not just for queer wrestling fans um it is for people who love professional wrestling and maybe feel a little underserved in terms of what they're getting on mainstream television and even if you like what you're getting on mainstream television you will find something that you like on these shows um and yeah, that, those are the big things I want to say about that. Uh, I wish I could have watched the whole show. For, it did make me feel better when you said you hadn't watched the whole show yet. I was like, I was like, all right, so neither of us did the homework, and now we're about to do the book. <laughs> uh, well, I, I did watch all of the of the Big Gay Brunch. I haven't watched all of All Out yet, but I, yeah. I haven't watched all of All Out either. I, there's a couple of like I still haven't seen QT Marshall and Paul White, which is why I still have both my eyes. I haven't gouged either of them out yet. <laughs> No, I, I'm like I've gotten to know QT a little bit. He's a good guy. Uh, they just like it's like ten of the best matches ever booked by man, and then that, and it's like, and I, I didn't understand the Billy Gunn heel turn either. It's like, is Billy still that mad at Big Show for laughing at him when Edge called him Billy Bitch Cakes that time? Like, is that like because I, I mean I'll give him credit. That's long term storytelling. Most people like Very. that's that's a, that's like a nineteen year payoff. That's like that's <laughs> that angle's old enough to vote, and like they're just now picking it off. Like that's maybe maybe they're right about Tony Khan. Maybe he is the Booker of the Year. I don't like that's amazing. Like that's, uh, that's incredible. Um, I have watched most of Big Gay Brunch. Uh, I and part of it is just a lack of familiarity with some of the performers. Like I can't remember. And I, I I was off my meds yesterday when I was watching part of it because I ran out and I didn't get any more till today. So like, you know, you're in the middle of of apparel and blade and 
like a fly drop like flies by and now I'm doing play by play of the fly and where it's landing <laughs> while I'm supposed to be watching this match. And then you forget where you lost your place, so you gotta go back and start all the way like I know that you understand that struggle if maybe if a lot of your listeners don't. Uh like having a kid and having ADHD has been like uh, like it's like a minefield really like it's it's i mean it's fun it's amazing but it's just like what was i doing and then you step on something and blow up like it's just it's uh it's been pretty fun so i i will probably i'll probably end up watching the whole show again now that everybody's kind of settled down and everybody's asleep yeah uh, but those those are the things i really liked um and i don't regret having purchased it it's actually of the three shows that i spent money on for because I got the the live the St. Louis at the the NWA at St. Louis thing. I haven't watched that yet. Yeah. Um that's kind of far down the pecking order because I haven't done the reading on NWA. I don't know any of the stuff that's happening. I know I thought it was important when Mickey James said I want to put on an independent an all women's independent show like it put it on paper I was like I need to buy that. And then it ended up being really good. Like it was another one of those things where it was like I'm gonna like I'm going to support this because it feels like the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And then I watched it, and there was a couple of like things I probably wouldn't have booked for that. But for the most part, it was really, really, really good. And there, I, there were, again, people I'd never been exposed to before. Jamie Senegal, who I'd never seen before, who impressed me enough in their, in their appearance on TV that I went and sought out more of what they do. And I think, I think she's really great. Um, and so that's another, that's another example of, like a, a queer wrestler, trans wrestler, like getting a big moment in a big spot and delivering to the degree that where someone who has never seen any of what they do, like going and checking out more that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I think is the overarching message that we need to take from my insane ramblings is that uh, I, you know, I am probably as average a cis white viewer as there is with the exception that I have a very queer co-broadcaster that I used to do stuff with who I follow <laughs> on Twitter. Brian, you are like 40% of my exposure to this stuff. And so, and, and I say that it's a good thing. Like if I didn't know you and if we hadn't worked together before, I never would have seen this stuff. And so like, I see, like, thank you. Like for, you know, for being a voice like that, I think the world needs to like to up people's exposure to this because there's a lot of people who would watch this stuff if they knew about it. And if they knew that like it was quality and they knew that it's not just, Oh, someone, well, we're going to call this a gay wrestling show and it's going to be the same nonsense, but we're going to try to make it gay friendly. So we can like raise money or whatever. This is like really quality wrestling. It just happens to be put on booked and performed by queers. And I mean that, I know what you mean. (laughs) Not the way that I said it when I was 11. Um, (laughs) Look, Brian, listen, if you're out there, you're like, what's that guy talking about? Brian knows what I'm talking about. He grew up in Georgia, too. Yep. (laughs) Finding out the actual definition of some of those words was like some of the most illuminating parts of my childhood. When, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like when you... When you learn that the other F word is not just a word you call someone when they cover their ears when a fire truck drives by, there's actually a negative connotation to it. I was like, oh, 
that's not good. <laughs> You're not supposed to say that. Oh man. Yeah. So, uh, I, but again, like these wrestlers have and watching these shows has been something that has encouraged me to, to like to learn more about pronouns and learn more about like, okay, so, so what am I supposed to call them? Like, and then it'll be, oh, you're supposed to call them them. And I'm like, who? How many? <laughs> so, like like I said, off, off air, yeah. we got to work on the, we got to figure that out. Now, I will say uh, this regarding the, the singular they, them, uh, you know, as someone who identifies as they, them now, I don't know. I don't know if we had that discussion or not, but yeah, I, I identify non-binary now. So I use they, it's them. In, it's in your I heard you say it um, on that same, the first episode of the show that I listened to. Yeah, yeah. Where you talked about them um and then i saw your twitter bio and like i was like oh yeah okay and like, it doesn't like that's one of those things like i if i mess it up it's not because i don't want to give legitimacy to it it's because i forget and, like <laughs> and i want to you know i want to always get that right and i think you know most people do um mm-hmm. and i'm not gonna say make it less confusing the onus is on you no the onus is on straight people who have been these since the day they were born to like to give them the same level of respect i just lose track sometimes yeah Uh, it it happens you know people make mistakes it's about like how you how you internalize that the 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 correction and and the criticism and interpret it back out and trying to learn from these things because like like even now like when we're talking about the singular they like the dictionary now has the singular they in there as like it's in the dictionary now so not just for you but like for like all the other like trust, trust me this is like a constant thing with a lot of people that I, that I have to deal with about like the the singular they and that sort of thing and and that sort of stuff so like it's we're defined now damn it <laughs> it's, it's like we talked about off the air right you know, when I messaged you a year or so ago when you moved to Portland I was, and talked about you and your partner moving to Portland, and all I wanted to know was if it was the same person that you were in Georgia, like, that you were with in Georgia. <laughs> but the, the pronoun thing was so confusing to me, and I'm sure it was confusing in the opposite way for you. It's like, the person, the human being that you left Georgia with <laughs> is the same human being that you live with now. And you're like, yes, they are. And I'm like, no, nah, that doesn't help me. Like, no, stop. It ended up being like this real weird, funny, endearing who's on first routine. Uh, <laughs> but we figured it out. Uh, exactly. That's, that's what people do when they care. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So, all out. What? How far are you into the show? Not very. I've only, um, I've only booted up like the first match so far. I have to watch more of it. Well, a lot more of it. So it uh, I won't. I mean, I don't know, unless you've just, like, cut your Twitter completely off, I'm sure you've seen I've seen plenty of stuff about, like, who debuts and that sort of thing, so, like, uh, uh, no shockers there. The the best, That's the new best example I can think of of swerving the swerve and having it work mm-hmm. is the last five minutes of that show, without getting too much into specifics. Like, the one thing happened, and you were disappointed that it wasn't the thing you thought was going to happen. But you were still excited because it was something awesome that happened. You're like, oh, dude, this is dope. Maybe the other thing will happen. And then, like, only a madman, only an absolute madman would have booked the second thing that happened. 
and I think this is going to be the best part of this whole show is where we're talking about what happened without saying what happened. Where we're just calling it the first thing and the second thing. Uh, and this is perfect. This is this is athletic alternative right here. This is this is perfect. The sec- only an absolute idiot would book the, the both things on the same night, and Tony Khan did it, and it worked <laughs> so beautifully that. Like I'm not, I don't call things landscape-changing moments like very often because I think we get real stupid with that. I think the only real landscape-changing thing that's happened since AEW started is John Moxley showing up in Vegas after Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho because the landscape can only really change one time. Now what you're doing is is like planting flags on the tops of new mountains on the landscape that you just changed. Mm-hmm. But you definitely planted at least two flags last night, and I am hopeful that when WWE sits down to think about uh, things that they can do to win some of that momentum back, and I'm not, I mean, I'm not hopeful that it's, I don't expect it to happen. It would shock me to no end if anyone in that company had the forethought to say, hey, this would be a really good time, like, to rethink our stance on queer representation and queer inclusion. Um, First of all, I can't think of anyone close enough to Vince with the guts to even say that um, because that's not what he wants to hear. And so no one's going to say that. Uh, but secondly, like I do think that's a way where that, that scale could kind of shift because neither company is doing enough in my opinion. Um, yeah. To, to, to facilitate that becoming more part of the mainstream, but do it's a great show. Um, Make sure, like, I and I despise, like, the Young Bucks and stuff. Like, I just don't find them very entertaining. I don't despise them. I don't find them very entertaining. But that, that cage match with the Lucha Brothers is one of, the, like, the five best things I've watched this year. Mm. So make sure, you like, you can kind of do other stuff and watch the rest of the show. Like, kind of do it while you're doing your taxes or whatever you do. Like, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> but like, but how, how white dad is that? That that was the first thing that I thought of, of something else that you could be you know, doing. That's the sign of the times right there, man. Like, uh, but make sure you sit down and get a soda and watch Lucha Brothers Young Bucks because uh, it is absolutely worth your full attention. Mm-hmm. Um, everything else was really good. There's a lot of good stuff on there. Punk and Darby Allen. Well, there was almost no way they could deliver on that hype. And they kind of delivered on the hype, like, because I wanted more. But I was really satisfied. Like everything that it's like the Eddie Kingston Miro. Like they're gonna run that back in New York. But even if they didn't, I would still be satisfied with what we got. Yeah. Um, I forget what matches after that on the card. Uh, the women's match is really good. The bat, like those battle royals, are so they were formatted so weirdly that I think they almost should scrap the whole format and start from scratch on that. Uh, but for what it is, even the women's battle royal was really really good. And it's crazy how far we talk about inclusion. Um, for a long time, the most glowing example of a lack of inclusion on AEW's roster was women, just like the, their women's roster. And part of that was injury. Like, you can't, there's only so much you can do when Anna Jay, Chris Stadlander, Ty Conti, like when they, all these people get injured all at the same time, there's only so much you can do. You can't go out and sign a whole new division. Um, but it, that match just really reminded me in two years how far they've come, and some of that is by accident. But some of them, they've gone out of their way, I think, to like to go get Kiara Hogan 
and to like to bring her in and put her in a featured spot um, mm-hmm. on their show and Diamante, you know, on a featured spot on their show and Nyla Rose in a featured spot on their show. Um, yeah, and it's hard. I understand. It's like when I think about a lot when like Martin Luther King was advocating for change and there were, you know, all the white people were telling him, well, be happy with incremental change. So I don't want, like, I don't want to sit here and tell your, your listening audience, like, be happy with incremental change because I don't know what it's like to not be represented. And so the last thing I want to do is tell you, you you feel wrongly about your representation. Yeah. That's not, you know, does that make sense? Like, no, I it don't totally makes to, sense. I don't want to sound insensitive to what's happening, but I do think, like, it probably doesn't feel like it. But I do think some change is coming. I don't think it's happened to the degree that it needs to happen yet. And I don't know that it'll ever be, you know, big gay brunch on TBS Friday night at 10 o'clock. And it should be. Like, that's sad. Like, uh, that would actually, there's, that would actually probably play really well uh, with some some of the audience. Um, But I, like, I want to see change and I want to vote not just with my voice, but with, my wallet on the things that I pay money for. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, again, that battle Royal was, I think a good indicator, like, okay, they're trying to do some things to get that, uh, to get that thing kind of going. And then the Joker was awesome and very fulfilling as someone who thought that that person got done very wrong. Um, Agreed. At, at her old place of employment. It was very gratifying Thunder Rosa was another one that I saw at that Come Hell or High Water show who I'd never seen before. And mm. by the time she was done in the by the time she was done in the ring, I was like, who is that person? Like, like who in the world that, that's amazing? Like she's so good. And she's so much better now than she was when I saw her. Other than Ricky Starks, I don't know that there's anyone who improved their profile and their in-ring output as much during the pandemic as Thunder Rosa. Because when the pandemic started, Thunder also was on NWA, but she like she wasn't super featured. She was like, but then by by the time they're back in arenas, she's like one of the biggest stars on the planet. It's the same thing with Ricky Starks. He was a guy who was on NWA, like the TV champion, but he wasn't really supposed to be a babyface. They're trying to make him a babyface, and it was like this dude is clearly rocking me, rocking my Avia right now. Uh, <laughs> and since he showed up to answer that open challenge, it's like okay, like that guy is awesome yeah and he was another guy he wrestled the opener with ethan page at come hell or i water it was like 12 minutes like just kind of eh. but, but you could tell right away like okay that guy is gonna be like got he some. puts it all together yeah yeah and this is all kind of related to me and that it's, it's part of the renaissance that i've gone through in the last nine months with professional wrestling like to become from going to like super casual WWE fan who like was thinking about just like not watching anything anymore ever because how much it sucked. Like, like and, then, and for a while AEW was pretty good. But it was like a lot of the same. Like, it's a lot of stuff I didn't like about it. Uh, and it's still not perfect. I'm not gonna sit here and be like, oh, AEW's the best. You know, you know, they they still have some issues. Um, but the people that they're they're choosing to seek out. And the people that I have chosen to seek out have led me to things like Effie's Big Gay Brunch, the Polyamory Party, um, 
going and looking for more from like, uh, you know, you see Jungle Boy tweeting about his friendship with Jake Atlas. And that was one of the things where I'm like, okay, I need to go. I need to figure out their connection and kind of, kind of opened up the door to Jay Atlas, Jake Atlas for me. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? And so like all of those, it's all interconnected and it's all, I feel like I'm I'm doing the Charlie Day meme right now, where like <laughs> with all the string in the frame, you know exactly which one I'm talking about. Exactly. Too, so, uh, yeah, but it all of this has kind of like it's become all these different paths, and one of the paths that I've enjoyed being down the most is finding is seeking out this stuff that's queer. Um, you know, the Billy Dixons and straight William Dixon, which was, again, is straight <laughs> Bill. Was. I, if, if it wouldn't get someone fired for even pitching it, like someone should try that on a bigger scale. Because um, that's, I mean, that's, and that was such, that was such a quality payoff. Like I'll be, now that we've talked about it, I'll be thinking about it. Like I got to watch it again now. Because mm-hmm. um, that was, that was such a quality ending to something that you had to seek out. But like, if you were paying attention, like, Oh, Oh, that's good. Like that's what a deal. Yeah. 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 Like and that's, I think was my biggest problem with WWE for a long time is it felt like you're punishing you for wanting to see pro wrestling. Like you, you care about somebody and then that person either gets released or gets beaten by Goldberg in Saudi Arabia in two minutes and then gets released. Like, yeah, it's uh, like this, this idea that you can be rewarded for investing in people, and one of the venues that you're going to be most rewarded for investing in people is things like the gay brunch, where it's these these characters like I don't, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I followed everything Effie does since the first time I saw him, but from the first time I saw him, he's, I was he was someone where if I saw that he was doing something, like I'm going to check that out because that dude was hilarious in Norcross that time. That dude was awesome. Um, or like Alley Cat is another one. Like I'm really enjoying this Alley Cat stuff that she's doing now mm-hmm. because it's so different. So like she went from being this really cutesy kind of kid friendly character to now like a little bit legitimately terrifying. And it's oh like, yeah, I mean she's pulling crazy. knives on people, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's crazy. It's so good, and, it, and I never would have known about that you know, if it wasn't for those connections. And so I, I just want to encourage people if you're on the fence about it i'll say it one more time like don't hesitate to spend money on this stuff because you won't regret it um because it is maybe the purest form of professional wrestling today and the 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 place where people can go and be the truest versions of themselves and i think that that's really important because we live in a in a society where too many people still have to hide who they are and too many people still have to like mask how they feel about things inside and how they see the world. Uh, they have to internalize all that, and it leads to a lot of, you know, it can you know lead to a lot of mental health issues. I mean, you look at the people we've lost lately, yeah. because they don't they don't feel like anyone sees the world the, the way that they do, or that anyone cares, um, or that anyone struggles with the same things that they do. And these events and these wrestling shows are a great, great way to remind people that, you know, people are like you. 
Like, yeah, you know, I I can't imagine like being a queer high schooler and seeing anything on the Attitude Era stuff. Where where I was like, this makes me feel okay about being who I am. Yeah. Um, and that's a that's a bad example. Like I think all of society was kind of like that at that time. I grew up during that, and that was like you know there were a lot. It was not just wrestling that would make you feel like a piece of garbage for for not, you know, for not being completely straight. You know, yeah. like you know what I'm saying. Oh no, trust me. I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> no, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, but and and I'm not someone who has all the answers, and I'm not someone who probably should even be asked what the answers are uh, because I don't know. But I do know that like as someone who has never had a second thought about who he's attracted to or how he identifies from a gender perspective, I still really enjoyed those shows. Mm-hmm. And I still really identified with the characters on those shows and the wrestling on those shows. And that's what I want people to hear is that you know, please don't be hesitant if you think that I'm not gonna see anything on there that I like or that I don't probably you absolutely will, I promise you. Um and it, it, you know that's that to me has been the most important thing. And it, I still think about like if you had told me in you know t- you know early twenty twenty, if you told me the night of coming hell or high water that a year later that like Joey Ryan and like the Effie was not even the most controversial person on that card or in that match because mm-hmm. Joey Ryan in that match too. Like I would kind of looked at you funny, but it's just funny how much things change, man. And how much, like, I think it's a good thing that there's so much more accountability for, you know, we live in an age where people will drag you. Like, yeah, you know, we see it, you know, every day and, and, that would not have happened, you know, even five years ago, I don't think. Uh, but the, you know, being introduced to like queer wrestling, that community, you know, the social media community and just being reminded again that just because I'm orientated the way I'm orientated, and I love professional wrestling. It's very easy for me to forget that it's not just for me mm. and it's not just for people like me um and that to me has been uh on the one hand has been very uh you start you start thinking about every offhanded comment you've ever made like you know what i'm talking about like you start start yep. doing like ghost you start doing like ghost of christmas past where you're like go, go to all these moments in your life you're like oh i shouldn't have said that i should have done that oh man um so in some ways it's like very sobering but on the other hand like it makes it way more fun where you're like i want everyone to like this i want everyone to have to feel the way about someone that i felt about daniel bryan closing wrestlemania 30 you know with you know with the confetti flying and the two belts i've always said that like if wwe could have shut down after that it would have been the perfect series finale for that 30 year sitcom like that was the perfect moment and it's really all been downhill since then um but it, everyone should have a moment with characters that they identify with that much that that make them feel that 
Um, So whether that's Big Gay Brunch or All Out or Empower, I mean, I can't imagine anyone getting that from Extreme Rules, but I'm sure there are people who will get that from Extreme Rules. I don't, you know, again, I I don't can't figure it out, but I'm sure there are. Um, yeah, you all deserve that. Yeah. Um, what else can we cover? We covered everything. <laughs> I think that's I think that's a good place to to land. I will say one more thing, just kind of like as a wrap up sort of here, going back to something that you said earlier uh, when talking about like AEW and more of mainstream companies like that. Incremental change can be celebrated and at the same time you can demand more because more should be demanded of companies a lot of this conversation has sparked up not just with queer representation but also there's been a very very vocal base of people calling out AEW's lack of black performers in the main event i've seen yeah the last couple yeah that's we talked about that off air a little bit too and it's so that's so frustrating because i think that same company does an incredible job with latin representation on their show yeah. like oh, they have a lot of top you know latinx acts you know both men and women on their show and so and so you look at that and you think well why can't you do the same thing for african-americans then you look at the other show where they got bobby lashley on top several of their top acts are african-americans you're like well where's the latin american representation where's the <laughs> you know why is the women's division suck again like after I, after they put so much effort into it for so long, like why is this garbage again? Well, they did the Bianca so did, too. God, oh man, we could spend the whole hour on that. And I, you know, I don't, I don't want to be so cynical that I think they just wanted their Black Girl Magic main event, and as soon as they got it, it didn't matter to them anymore. Um, but that's really kind of the only conclusion I could come to is that they were there. And WWE does moments; they say they do moments, and so like I, I do wonder. Well, they got their their WrestleMania main event with with two black women, you know, and then you know Sasha went to go do Mandalorian or whatever. Uh, we got to stop letting people get away with lack of representation. Um, and, and I've always been a person who think thinks intent matters. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm much more likely to forgive someone who either didn't know they were making a mistake or made a mistake in the act of trying to do something good than I am someone who just doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think, like, there is a lack of... I think they're absolutely right. And I, what's crazy is they have several Black women in great spots on their show. But, like, you look at where Red Velvet was a year ago and where she is now, what a feature spot she's in, Big Swole, Jade Cargill. Like, they have several Black women who are like, they're great, like... I like when I see I'll go out of my way like if Red Velvet or Big Spole is on Dark, mm-hmm. like that's like that's the best way to get me to watch Dark is like if one of them's on it or um, trying to see, there's a couple others Diamante's another one Thunder Rosa, uh, but yeah for whatever reason there's just a like after Scorpio Sky I'm 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 I'm, I'm it's really hard to think of another guy above the mid card who is African American. And again, part of that is availability. Um, they can't make Cedric Alexander leave and yeah. go over to them. They can't make, you know, Kofi Kingston smarten up and realize like I'm not going to go anywhere else. Like I've done everything I'm going to do. Let me make like so. Some of that is 
you know, on the and I had this conversation even because I see it on Twitter and I get real mad because I'm very defensive. And I start thinking, well, you know, it's not their fault that all these guys sign with WWE. Okay, well then don't make your own Kofi Kingston. Don't make your own, you know, Cedric Alexander, Ricochet, guys like that. Like, you know, and I think Sean Dean is a guy who they have under contract who very easily could be one of those guys that they just put the time into put the time into him that they want to put into Daniel Garcia, who I also like. And I mm-hmm. use his name not to say that they're wrong for doing that, but to say like they will put the effort behind people they see value in. So it's time to start seeing value in black performers. Exactly. And for WWE, it's time to start seeing value in, in Latin performers. Stop looking for the next Eddie Guerrero. And just, yeah, because you have, I mean, I think Angel Garza is maybe the most talented, maybe the most gifted male performer, male, Latin male performer doing it right now. And what is he doing? Like, right like (laughs) imagine having angel garza and not see it like it's it's, mustafa ali is the same way imagine having that guy and then and then you know not seeing any value in him like number one if you don't value in him let him go but they hate him too much for that (laughs) they can't let him go be happy somewhere else so it's like so it's it was my theory about zach Ryder for a long time like they would have fired him years ago, but someone hates him so much they don't want him to be happy. It's so like they just kept him under contract. Like like when Homer Simpson has to go back to the power plant, and, and Mr. Burns is like, you're here forever. Like, yeah. I hate you, so you're going to here. Yeah, it's kind of like I kind of have that deal. I kind of think that's how it is with Mustafa Ali, where someone's like, we're, he's never going to get to enjoy doing this. Like, we're going to make sure of that. Like, so we're going to keep him under contract and then just keep screwing him over. Um but yeah, like, and I hope, I hope that we can moving forward come together and figure out how the best way to demand that change is. Yeah. Um, because clearly they're not listening when we just say it. Like we we want, you know, we want black performers on this on the show. We want Latin performers on the show. We want, you know, we want the women's programming to mean more. We want the, you know, we want more straight re- or more queer representation. I almost said more straight representation. Like that's <laughs> Definitely don't want to be that guy. Why is there no straight, there no straight history month? God damn it. <laughs> Why is there no straight pride parade? It's called walking to work, idiot. Calm down. I love it. I love it so much. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh. No, man, I, I really enjoy this. It's good to talk to you. Uh, it's just good to talk to you, number one. Uh, same. Um, and number two, number two, like, it's really good to know that there are people who that are, that are fighting this representation battle and fighting this, you know, that are because um, you can't I think the problem here this is the last thing I'll say about it. I think there are a lot of people like me who would be willing to do more and willing to demand more if they understood the scope of the problem and they understood the scope of the lack of representation. Um, but they don't know anyone different than them. Like I think about, you know, how I was, a, I was a full grown adult before I knew an out queer person. Like, yeah. I think a lot of people just don't even think about 
like how important pro wrestling is to some people and people that are different than them. And so when you either through ignorance or malice leave those people out of the conversation, um, it's wrong. And through my own experience with expanding my horizon in terms of the way pro wrestling is presented, I hope that some other people, even if it's just a few, will hear this and think, man, well, all right, that dude is as, as, bo- as boring and as straight as it gets, and he really enjoyed this. Um, so maybe I'll enjoy it too. And then, was it a Ferris Bueller's like, and they tell two friends? And they tell two friends? Yeah. Two friends. Um, but yeah, man, I feel like I feel like you were expecting, you know, the the giant Tasmanian devil that I used to be on the radio, and you got like woke Rush Limbaugh, and I'm really sorry for that. I'm just not as interesting oh, as I used. To. You do not have to be sorry for anything. I brought you on because you are my friend, and you are someone whose like thoughts I value in this. And we haven't done a show together in so long that I wanted to have the opportunity to talk to you about this stuff. You know, and especially to get the perspective well, of like, you know, the, the like a cishet perspective on, on these sort of things, too. You know, well, I appreciate that. And I, you know, I, what I don't want is to perpetuate a myth that there needs to be more cishet perspective on anything. Um, we've got enough of that. Um, you know, I, I'm here because I'm your friend, not because, you know, like, <laughs> it, yeah, like there's a, there's enough people out there think like i do yeah uh, no and trust know. me like you're only the third like cishet person to ever be on the show so like that is like oh no yeah all right <laughs> uh, all right i need you to like mail me a certificate or something um, i'll see what i can work up uh, yeah no please don't do that uh, <laughs> we don't even have a house right now bro like i like i wouldn't even know where that would go um let me know whenever yeah. you get a house and I will get you a certificate. <laughs> we, get, we get a house, I'm going to need like a statue or something. Like, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's good to talk to you. We should do this again. Like, it feels like this feels like one of those things where now I'm ready. Now I'm comfortable right as we're ending. Mm-hmm. So, like, as long as it's not 10 years between, you know, broadcast appearances again, it won't be. Uh, we should, uh, maybe it'd be fun to like call a wrestling show sometime. Uh, the two of us. Yeah. So that would be, I don't know who to talk to about that. I don't know anyone uh, <laughs> who, could make, like, who could put that together. But like, that would be, I feel like we should have gotten to do that 10 years ago and we just never did. Um, and I think now it'd be even funnier somehow. Um, if only we had cashed I, in on that cachet with Platinum Championship Wrestling at the time. You know how often <laughs> I think about that? That dude, that dude offered to train me for free and I told him no because I was afraid I might end up learning from Bill DeMott someday. That's the God's honest truth. I was like, I, I don't think I want any part of like that developmental system at the time was just so cracked. I was like, I don't, I don't want it. Like, and not to sound cocky, but at the time I was exactly what they were looking for. Um, uh, yeah, you're not wrong about that. Like we should, we really should be brought up on charges for the degree with which we just peed away that opportunity. (laughs) 
it's all right. I'm always open to broadening my horizons. So, uh, yeah, me too. As long as you know, I'm back. You know, to change diapers and exactly. You know, give give bottles and stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, man. I'll talk to you soon, man. Let's get back with you. No, same here. Anything you want to plug? Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I don't know why you would. Uh, it's AC Hater three two eighty three. It is a it is a pun on Saved by the Bell that I just never changed. Um, I don't have any. Like I said, you know, this is when John. One of the last times John Mulaney hosted Saturday Night Live, he said, "I don't have a book coming out. I don't have a movie coming out. I'm here to hype the month of April. I'm here to hype springtime. Uh, I'm here to hype fall." Uh, I yeah, I I don't have anything to sell. Um, so like I said, except action figures, hit me up. Want to buy some Mattels? I got like I got like nine Zack Riders I'm trying to get rid of. Um, but yeah, I mean nothing to sell. Um, no I really should probably have something to sell. I'm just sitting here wasting away in this basement. I need to be more proactive. But every second I have now that's not you know child rearing, uh, I want to be doing something that's not stressful. And so I you know, can't fault you on that at all. I, can't imagine seeing it. Like, I have another friend who's like, we should do a college football podcast. I'm like, why on earth would I do that? <laughs> and he has kids, too. That's the thing. It's like, you like you, you have two kids. I only have one. Like, what Like what do you think is going to happen if we try to do that? I'm very interested like, in knowing what you think the upside to that is. Uh, so, yeah, nothing, nothing going on, really. Maybe I should. I don't know. We'll talk about that another There's day. There's time. There's time. Yeah. All right. Well, I thank you so much for coming on, Andrew. Well, thank you for having me, and I'm sorry I wasn't more entertaining. Oh, you're uh, fine. I uh, appreciate it. <laughs> Still right. hate you. Still hate you. My thanks once again to Andrew for taking the time and sitting down and chatting with me, catching up. It was so great, not just to talk about the Big Gay Brunch, but also to catch up with someone who you know, I haven't seen for a while, I haven't had a chance to communicate with for a while. Lord, the stories about college radio that we could probably fill out another podcast with. <laughs> we could talk about the time of how he uh, inadvertently, quote-unquote, got me fired. <laughs> but that's a conversation for another day. Love I love my brother over there. I'm so glad that he is opening his mind to what pro wrestling can be beyond what he's known and understanding the um, importance of representation and visibility from a perspective that is outside of the community, that is punching down the doors for it. You know, it's amazing to see. That's going to do it for us here this week. Make sure to check out the other episode. Um, We're talking about AEW All Out 2021, CM Punk's return along with so many other things on that show with Daily DDT's uh, Phil Lindsay and Patches Chance. Download, listen to that as well. And then stay tuned, because, you know, you know how rarely I take a week off, right? You know how rarely I take a week off. Oh, that reminds me. Speaking of weeks off, or not having weeks off, I tease something. The QWI. I know everybody's up in an uproar about the PWI 500 here and there. Congratulations to everyone who made the list. And if you, you know, if you're not on the list, that does not mean that you are not um, talented or outstanding. You know, 
like lists are arbitrary, they are subjective, and don't let lists define you. I say that for the PWI 500, I say that for the for the QWI, <laughs> because I have a lot of anxiety about putting together a ranked list this year, but I committed to it, and I don't back down from my commitments unless I absolutely have to, and there's nothing that's pushing me that way right now. But what I did have to announce this time around, um, you know, 2019, there was 25 names on the list. 2020, we bumped that up to 100. Twenty twenty one. I am <laughs> I am making my own bed with this. We're going higher again. This December. Welcome to the QWI two hundred. Bye.